Okay. Hello, and welcome to the After 30 podcast. I'm your co-host, Anis Alibai, and we have received some awesome feedback that you guys are loving hearing about different career paths, and we are here for it. And we're going to start featuring a new career each month. We're calling the segment, Hey, What Do You Do? Today's episode is about starting a new career, not the one you necessarily went to school for, not the one you've been working in for the last 10 plus years, but a completely new career because there is some sort of passion, idea, and or tiny voice inside your head telling you to do so. On average, people change careers five to seven times in their lifetime. So although the stats tell us it's normal to completely start anew in a different field, it still feels incredibly daunting and overwhelming to make the leap. Today, we chat with the founder of luxury performance label Michi New York. Michelle Watson tells us how she ditched her career in corporate finance and advertising to create a brand unlike anything else on the market, fashion-forward, sophisticated women's athletic wear that is Canadian-made, eco-friendly, sustainable, and sexy. Honestly, it's so great to have you here. You have such a cool background. And so we just want to know about all of it. So I guess that would be the first thing. Please take us through your background. Yeah, sounds good. I was always very artistic and mathematical and scientific growing up. Yeah. So uh, my mom brainwashed me into wanting to become a plastic surgeon. <laughs> so because she thought that I w- it would be lucrative and she thought that fashion design was just like being an actor, a one in a million chance of succeeding. Okay. So I listened to my parents and I uh, went to Western Ontario got a biology degree and at the same time I was taking business prerequisites at the end of my third year when I was graduating I also wrote the MCAT so I could speed my way into medical school (laughs) it was really intense I was writing very intense uh, business exams four hours eight-hour MCATs plus my regular final exams and I realized I think I thought I was doing it for the wrong reasons because you really have to get into a profession that you're passionate about not because you want to make money Mm, so I switched into business right out of school I worked in corporate finance at Ernst & Young on Bay Street so that was pretty intense and I immediately realized day one this is not for me why yeah why am I here my intention was uh, I'm good at finance if I can be good at something but not passionate about it, I can kind of cruise my way through, make money, move on up and save money and then do fashion on the side. So I actually was taking fashion courses in the evening and I was very (laughs) passionate about fashion even more so. Um, And I just realized um, I have to get out. I have to do something more creative. It's not for me. Um, Even my bosses, when I when I left, they said, you're so creative. Uh, we're surprised that you even wanted to work here. Oh, wow. So How long did you stay there I was just there for a year. Okay. Okay. So I went into advertising at McLaren McCann, also on Bay Street, and I I really liked it. Mm -hmm. It was great. It was very different. Um, But I realized also that I was not on the art direction team. Mm -hmm. I was an account manager. Okay. So I was still what they called a suit. Sure. Um, So I was still on the corporate side, and um, and I realized, okay, I'm going to start saving money to go back to fashion school. Okay. And the only schools I want to go to are Central St. Martin's, um, Parsons in New York, or Marangonian in Italy, or Polymoda in Florence. Okay. So those were the only ones that I would go to. Okay. Because I thought I have to have 
I have to go to the best school in the world. I need the name on my resume. Right. I need to move quickly. I'm getting old. Right. Because I was in my 20s. Yeah, I thought, like, you're probably, what, 22 in this morning? Yeah. Well, at that point, I was, um, I guess, when I started at Parsons, it was 2004, so I was okay. 26. Oh, okay. And I okay. felt like this very mature student. Sure. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yes. I feel like everyone around me is 15. <laughs> but it feels like Yeah. It. Luckily, there are a lot of like people close to my age at mm. school. Uh, but I did feel like I needed to rush because right. I, in your mind, you think that you want to get married in your 20s, have yeah. a baby in your late 20s, and you really want to be successful in your 20s. But that's not reality. Totally. It's going to take trial and error. Mm-hmm. You're going to realize what you love and don't love and realize that you need to combine your passion, something that you're really, really good at, you could be the best in the world at, yeah. and then something that makes economic sense. Totally. Absolutely. Good way of saying it. Okay, so you're 26. You're still... In school. Yeah, and I started interning right away. Okay. And uh, I, I compressed my school. Again, I'm, I'm worried about time. Mm-hmm. So I ram-packed my school into, uh, it was actually a two-year course okay. that I ram-packed into one year. And the teacher said, we do not recommend this. It's too intense. <laughs> I still did You're it. like, no worries. You don't even know my background. I can do this. No problem. I'll do it in three Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there was only uh, one or two other girls that did the same um, compression okay. program is me and the one other girl that uh, graduated she paid a lot of people to do her work oh. so and she consolidated projects so mm. she was actually very smart in that way mm. but one but maybe like a little bit um underhanded <laughs> she would make one pro- project work for two to three courses oh. so that was actually very smart so if oh, she wow. had a business she would be very efficient but not always honest so i'd rather be honest <laughs> make a choice and she paid seamstresses for to do her work but anyway that was um I worked so hard and I loved it it was actually the hardest I've ever worked in my life because fashion design is it never ends Mm. so if you're very aspirational with your projects the project just never ends you could add more you could add a jacket you could add um, accessories you could make the outfit more extravagant so if you choose something simple you can be done quickly and get the job done but when you are so excited to be there and you love haute couture and you love mm. um, over-the-top fashion. You just do your best and never sleep. Right. So, <laughs> like right. gold on everything. I want to... Yeah, I get it. <laughs> and he's just bought the most amazing gold Gucci loafers. Oh, nice. <laughs> so, yeah. And I love thread work and I love mm-hmm. jewelry and I love glitter and I just love <laughs> over the top all the time it's, it's not necessarily logical but mm-hmm. I love it. but your loafers will last a lifetime <laughs> they they'll will. be timeless they'll yeah. speak to an era yeah. Yeah. and you could probably sell them later for more than you paid <laughs> for yeah. them yeah. it's so. true it's true yeah. yeah so then when I graduated from Parsons um, like while I was there I was working at Donna Karen and then I ended up uh, working at Kate Spade and I was thrilled to get to work there yeah, it was cool. actually through Liz Claiborne. So Liz okay. Claiborne was the big company that had bought them. Mm-hmm. So I uh, I worked between Liz Claiborne and Kate Spade. And at and this then, point, you're in New York, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that was just uh, the first couple of years. And then I moved into, um, I moved to Ralph Lauren on the RLX line. So I really enjoyed that. I felt like finally I'm somewhere more creative. Right. The RLX line is the athletic yeah. line. 
brand. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. When I started, it was luxury golf ski and tennis. And then during my time, they transitioned into something more contemporary. Cool. So that's kind of, they were actually probably one of the first to really discover the active lifestyle components. Yeah. Yeah. And so they, we always spoke as an active lifestyle. It's all encompassing. And this is before a lot of other brands were doing it. Mm -hmm. Of course, everyone was inspired by Lululemon Mm -hmm. because they were very profitable and you could see people wearing um, activewear on the street. It's interesting how Vancouver really started a trend that moved to New York. Yeah. I don't think that's ever happened before. Right. <laughs> true. That's true. Moves, like, from... The other way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I grew up in the like on the West, yeah. so I grew up in Calgary, and I went to BC quite a lot. Yeah. So you would always see people out at the bar in the groove pants, mm-hmm. in the black uh, flared <laughs> pants, which the was groove pant at the bar. The worst is if you saw someone. Do you know what the groove pant is? Yeah, yeah with the flare. The worst is when you saw someone wearing heels with the groove. Oh pant. yeah, like, like a no, don't like do a chunky heel pant. or oh. a square toed black no, boot, no. and sometimes the fashion's a bit behind in the West, so that. <laughs> style may last a little bit too long (laughs) (laughs) no (laughs) i okay i'm gonna segue for a second my old boss at lululemon in australia Mm -hmm. okay one of my friends that i worked with at at lulu she would take notes she would note down funny things that people would say in the office and it ended up being like a hilarious little thing that she did right and then she'd bring them back up you know she'd go look at her notebook and she'd bring it back up (laughs) two weeks later that's so funny like funny ash things that everybody was saying and gordon our old boss he ran our merch team and he would say one time because the groove pant sales were on a heavy decline and they they had been Four years, people yeah. were like moving on from the group band. Oh, got. I'm surprised. Yeah. <laughs> are you? Especially well, in Australia, like they did not, they were not into the group band as much as Canadians are. And it was super funny because he's like one of his quotes that Simone had read out like months later. He said, "We need to calm down the flare on the group band." <laughs> that was his quote, and it was so good. That's it was really so funny. epic. And we're like, yeah, we do. We need to calm down the flare. It was pretty good. Because when I started Michi, the, the group band was still in existence. Right. So I. I was thinking, okay, I'm going to do a legging yeah. and it'll be very different because leggings were, were also not in style. Right. And then shortly into having the brand Michi, I met with like a very, very savvy showroom owner. And she said that, uh, I suggest you add a flair to your collection. And I thought, well, yeah, I could sell out and just add a flair, but that's not the Michi DNA. Like we have mm. to be pushing to you. move forward. And I thought, I know this lady has a lot of knowledge, yeah. but I, it's just... You knew in your gut. You're like, that's yeah. not the direction I want It's to against go. my point of view. I can't do good this. I would add a flair now. Right. Like now is a good time. Yeah. Um, not back then. Yeah. Can we really quickly just rewind uh, for a second? You said that you were with RLX. Yeah. And that's when there was like a sort of like the active lifestyle. How did that transition into you building? than Michi like what like what happened between there and there was like a little gap that I'm really interested in yeah that was a really interesting time because things were bubbling up in terms of this desire to wear your activewear on the street mm-hmm. as well as in the gym so at the time the trend was sheer tops low armholes low necks yeah. low backs and I noticed a lot of people were wearing just a regular bra or at the time VPL was a popular brand and their bras were colorful uh, muted tones but not performance at all like the straps weren't stretchy, the cups were cotton, and they, my bust is really small and I couldn't even fit into it. Right, so it right. really didn't fit a lot of body types. <laughs> um, so I thought, well, what if I came up with a really, really edgy, cool bra reminding me a bit of the 90s, yeah. like the Versace bondage collection? 
and just tone it down and have it very comfortable, fit really well, a lot of coverage so you can go upside down. Because I've always done a lot of acrobatic workouts. So you can be hanging upside down. You can be doing burpees. You're in all these positions. Nothing's going to fall out. Yeah. And I started with black. So I wanted it to be like black statement bras, but it's also a sports bra. It's made out of technical material. Mm -hmm. A lot of sports bras aim to flatten. It's just like one uniboob. Yeah. And it's just. Yeah. So. Bread. Oh, it does look like a loaf of bread. And on me, it looks like you just sliced off the crust. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm just like, oh, my God, I look like a loaf. But anyway, sorry. So I thought to have something that actually can create shaping. Yeah. No underwire. Supportive straps. Really, really comfortable fits. You don't even need to just wear this in the gym. Yeah. So that's really where Michi started. And it was boudoir launch. So it started in the bras. Yeah, yeah, okay. and I and I had met. Um, I was meeting with different design directors just to chat shop. Yeah, and I was thinking, yeah, I really need to start some with something specific, a niche area. And I, I think I had read something. Uh, from Anna Wintour saying that new designers need to find their niche and grow from there. Right. Because I knew that I couldn't compete with these big names. If I just did a big ready-to-wear collection, mm-hmm. then what is Michi about? Mm-hmm. So I wanted to start there, and I and then the leggings would be the set to it. Thinking like lingerie, but then more athletic. Cool. So the leggings had mesh inserts. The lines really mm-hmm. followed the female body, and mm-hmm. it was always very flattering. I wanted to always create an hourglass shape with the body. Gorgeous. And yeah. really admire the female body, and I always design with the body in mind. Mm-hmm. I don't just throw on designs Mm -hmm. onto the body where I've seen Michi inspired leggings and definitely the point of view of how I started this look is is not there in a lot of the other styles that I see out Mm -hmm. there it's just like a square of mesh here a triangle of mesh there and I I don't really see any kind of story behind it right okay and I was also inspired by superheroes because my brother always collected different superhero cards and the girls always had the coolest outfits yeah so I just always admired the look of that and I always admire female strength Mm. so michi is to fuel female confidence so when i first came out it was all about empowering women to feel confident and also to motivate them to go to the gym yeah because I felt a lot of women were hiding in the gym. They were wearing baggy t-shirts. Sure. I could see them feeling like they couldn't approach a bigger man that might have might be hogging some weights and right. just ask to work in with them. And I would always do that. Yeah. I would always work in with somebody and think, you don't own this gym because you're stronger. So everyone should have a chance. This is a very Chip Wilson thing because that's exactly what happened with him when he mm-hmm. kind of came up with the idea for Lululemon in general is that he was just in the gyms and he was working out and he just saw this. So, yeah. I mean, is that kind of your experience as well that you just really were observing everybody exactly. around you? Yeah. Because, I, so going back to Ralph Lauren, um, I was working there. You kind of had to dress for your role. Like everyone at Ralph Lauren looked like they jumped out of Ralph Lauren ad. Right. Yeah. But because I was in the RLX department, we, it was a bit more drapey, maybe a bit more Rick Owens inspired. Okay. A lot of drapey layers. And then sometimes you'd throw in your plaid or riding boots. Right. Uh, but, um, <laughs> Uh, that was my uniform for work. And then outside of work, I worked out. And I also felt like I secretly worked out. I didn't tell anyone I went to the gym. Interesting. Because oh. um, it, it would sound like you had too much work-life balance. Oh, uh, yeah. So I just, after work, I just secretly went to the gym, never told anyone, hey, yeah, I went to this amazing workout. Right. And I was the only one on the team, and we were designing activewear mm-hmm. that worked out. So I really knew, th- knew. Interesting. And I would wear test the product. Yeah. And I really knew what women wanted. I tried to push certain things on the team, but they had a bit of a different point of view. Well, different when they're not actually 
the end Pulling user. The, yeah, the end user. Yeah, 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 and they were still great designers, course, great yeah. product, and I learned so much from working there. Like it's all about a timeless aesthetic mm-hmm. there, the exceptional quality, yeah, and the merchandising there was insane. Right. Sometimes the clothes would just look like good clothes, yeah. but not nothing exciting. But yeah. then once it got merchandised, mm-hmm. it created it so cool. much excitement with props, a fake horse. So lovely, and it's amazing what you can do when you add the story and you add all of the visuals sure. and really show people like this is the lifestyle this is when, what it when you wear the means. clothes yeah so my lifestyle was working and then each evening I was going to the gym and I was doing a lot of different workouts secret so, gym <laughs> yeah <laughs> and I um I was observing as well there mm-hmm. were uh a couple of girls that were some like really interesting things and I thought okay these are really then I can only remember two okay. girls and they they're just I thought oh these could be my target target customers okay. once I start my own line yeah everyone wore the exact same lime green purple turquoise or bubblegum pink mixed with black tank top it had this u-shaped back mm. and everyone had the groove pant mm-hmm. with a colorful waistband so everyone had the exact same um, Uniform, outfit really. all yeah. the girls had the exact same workout routine they all went to the elliptical mm. so it meant the gym was free for me to use mm. <laughs> because wow. everyone was on the elliptical and this is at the gym you were at the gym each yeah. Yeah. yeah and that's just like the average girl sure. i did a lot of classes yeah and a lot of the people in the classes weren't in that demographic Right. Because I was doing a variety of things, boxing, pole dancing, a lot of dance classes, yoga, Mm -hmm. Pilates, and I would always go for runs outside. So that's how I wear tested the product when I started. So I got to do everything. So how long were you kind of working and brainstorming on Mishi in the background, I assume, while you were at Ralph Lauren? Um, And then you kind of made that transition to fully go with that. mm -hmm. How did that go? Well, since I started at Parsons, I knew I wanted to have my own line because I thought, okay, now I'm going for it. I'm going to have my own line one day. I really wanted to work at a very creative company. So my dream actually was to work in um, Paris or Milan. Okay. And then while I was waiting for my visa, while I was working in New York, I did have to leave the country for about um, almost six months. So at that time, I went to um, Milan to look for a job. But I looked for a job in the summer. So it wasn't really the greatest time, Mm -hmm. but it ended up being the most amazing experience and I did get to interview at some of my favorite companies and it made me realize that these incredible companies are still just like any other company it's just there's more of a fantasy in Mm -hmm. your head because Mm -hmm. of the advertising and obviously and the whole romance of actually living in Milan and then Mm -hmm. what that looks like yeah it's it is an amazing experience it was some of the best years of my life that was in my late 20s so I never wanted that to end Mm -hmm. but um I it's still even when I was there I was thinking what would I do for my own line I think I've been thinking even as a child watching fashion television I always was brewing in my head what Mm -hmm. would the line look like and I I always thought as much as I love haute couture and I love evening wear, it has to fill a gap in the marketplace. So I've always been looking for a white space. And then I realized actually golf wear is probably the ugliest clothing you can think (laughs) of because I used to play, especially for women. Yeah. Yeah, And I used to play competitive golf. So I played golf every single day in the summer, the ugliest clothes. I would sometimes go to the store after I'd still be wearing my golf shoes and I was kind of embarrassed, but you just suck it up. And then I started to see the trends in golf wear to be more or like course to street, mm. that it would be something that would be more reasonable to wear in real life. Right. <laughs> so I did a project um, on that when I was in marketing at Parsons. Okay. And, uh, like, all the other girls in the class just went crazy for the line. And wow. I was so shocked because I thought this is the ugliest topic. 
But then people thought this was so cool, and right. I and that kind of sparked the idea of oh, I'm going to stay in more of the sport industry, and that's really authentic to me. So when I started with fitness, I thought, well, fitness it can um, evolve into ready to wear one day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. not too specific. Mm-hmm. It is a niche, though. So that's really what I was always thinking about from. it. Yeah. And then especially at Ralph Lauren, I really just kept thinking more and more. And then when I left, I I just woke up the exact same time. Saw someone I knew on the subway, went to MoMA to see the Tim Burton exhibit. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Michi definitely has like a lot of ladder tapes and beautiful details, kind of like the stitching on a Tim Burton character. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I felt like that was very much, it's just my aesthetic. Sure. And then a little bit darker, edgy. <laughs> so I, I went to that exhibit, went to the fabric district. I just stumbled upon some amazing, like really high-end Swiss fabric. Okay. And you never find activewear fabrics at retail. And I scooped up all those fabrics. And then the next day I went and bought machines. So and I just started so... right away. I didn't waste any time. Okay. So hang on. So did you, you're saying you quit Ralph Lauren and then the next day you started. Yeah. The, basically like I'm waking up at the same time. Yeah. You went to this exhibit. But like the like, exact same now time. I've started at Mishi. Yeah. That's how you approached it. Exactly. Wow. Because I, I also felt like I was getting old. <laughs> right. Was, no, there's the panic. Yeah. That comes I was in. now totally. 32. It's okay. Yeah. And I thought I've got limited years where I'm going to have insane energy because I thought starting a business you need to have so much energy course, you're going to yeah. be working like an investment banker and also you you don't have a lot of other things competing for your time and energy mm-hmm. right like at this stage you didn't have any children yet or exactly right? so you're like you could actually put so much of your energy into mm-hmm. this yeah I like hold on I want to talk about <laughs> this more this. because the so fact that you I want to talk that you just left you had the courage so what happened in your in your brain that you were like yeah I'm gonna do this I'm just going to quit Ralph Lauren and the next day like I just need to take this leap and it versus because so many times you hear people do some kind of overlap you know they've got yeah. a side hustle and they're building this high side hustle until it gets to the point that they can do it full time well, it's kind of before the internet was widely available. Okay. So people didn't really have side hustles then. Only right. graphic designers would have a side hustle of they'd have freelance. their freelance clients. Right. But my side hustle was I would always make patterns on the weekend. Okay. I felt like my whole 20s, I had some sort of side hustle because when I was in finance, I was thinking, let's start on a fashion portfolio and I was in fashion courses. So I thought, let's just get started here. And I realized... I need to go either go back to school or try something new. So right. I tried something new. And then in advertising, I realized immediately I, I really like it, but I don't completely love it. Mm-hmm. So I need to still be I need to work on a portfolio because I want to get into Central St. Martin's or Parsons. So when I was 23, I remember I always said, oh, I can't. I have to work on my portfolio. Right. <laughs> and I was always saving money. I feel like I've been saving money my whole life or always having to either work on my portfolio. Then once I was in school, I always needed to make extra patterns on the side because I needed to build up my library for if I started a business. And right. I was always trying to do little things on the side to start a business. And I was reading books and you really just have to go all in. So that was your approach. You just said, I just need to go all in. And it wasn't working Um, because I was trying the whole time I was at other companies. Right. I was really trying to see if I could accomplish a lot on the weekends. Yeah. But I was getting distracted because I would work all day. I'd go work out in the evenings. Mm -hmm. And then on the weekends, I just still wanted to work out again just to release 
whatever stress I had. And I, I didn't really want to then do more fashion related. Right. So you really just felt like I've only got so much time and energy and I, I'm, I'm too distracted with work. If I want to do this, I need to do this for real. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to do it. And I was thinking about my age. Like at 32, I felt like I was 21. Right now, I feel like I'm 32. Right. So. Right. Cool. And then when did you have your first amount of retail available? When did it? When oh, it, it took time because yeah. at the beginning I was um, trying out different designs. So okay. I didn't know the exact aesthetic from day one. I just started sewing. I thought, well, I can't just sit here like with a pen wondering like what the aesthetic will be. Yeah. I need to just, just do, do it. it. Okay. And a lot of times when you're creative, the ideas just come to you when you're walking or in the shower. So how long until that first day when you said, I'm doing Nishi, until you actually had some samples that you you had out there in the world? Five, six months until I said, oh, I know exactly what I'm going to do. It was like I had this wave of inspiration. Why don't I simplify and I, I'll go like darker? And it's it means that I don't need to worry about these colors that are available in the marketplace that aren't perfect. And it will be boudoir lingerie meets high performance sports. So there'll be the strappy sports bras, mesh inserts and in sports bras. The leggings will match. It's like it'll be very edgy and feel very strong in the product. Very cool. So Okay, amazing. So talk to us a little bit more because we've got to wrap up. Fast forward 32 to where you are today. You've got an incredible office that you guys run in uh, Liberty Village. Um, she's doing really, really well. So how have you sort of seen how this has gone since then? Mm. Well, I always had the mindset, I can only do my best. So I'm just going to do the best I can. So I'm not going to waste any time. I'm just going to push myself, plan out my day and really be smart about my time. Like work smart, not work hard. But right. obviously you're still working hard. Right, yeah. uh, also believe in baby steps. Because it can be, feel really overwhelming when you think, I want to be this, I want to have employees. Like, I wasn't even close to having employees. I would like to be available throughout the world. I would like to have accessories as well. I, mm-hmm. And even now, I think about where I want to be, and it's still very, I'm still far away from where I'd love to be. Yeah, so I always thought, okay, I've accomplished a lot in a day. Uh, I've done my best. I can't do anything more. Right. So every day, I would just be disciplined cool. and consistent And then the interesting thing is three months would pass and I would look back and I would say, wow, I can't believe how far I've come in just three months. And then six months. That's great to take that time to reflect. I feel like it's very easy to get caught up and not even do that. So that's really beautiful. Yeah. And you can't really compare yourself to a big company. For sure. You can't Mm -hmm. say, oh, I'm competing with with these large companies. Mm -hmm. You really just have to do your thing focus on the things that you believe in. And I really value our customers. So Mm -hmm. uh, focusing on servicing customer needs, listening to people as well. I'm very open to advice. I love to to get employee feedback. Uh, I love to hear what our customer has to say. A lot of times it's hard truths that you have to hear. And a lot of people don't want to tell you the hard truths because they 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 worry that you'll have a negative opinion of them or, Mm -hmm. and younger people are- send you whatever, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I grew up, with a thick skin. Right. My parents are very direct and <laughs> yeah, that's a great <laughs> and and sometimes we're insulting, but it really it just makes you not worry about that. It's yeah. so like I don't think anyone could make me feel small. The only things I really care about are the real things that matter in life. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. For sure. Thank so you. we want to ask a rap question. Yeah. I would love to know what is your favorite part about being in your thirties? 
Well, and this is actually, my dad was a bit of a prophecy. He would always tell me, your 30s is the time of your life. So I was freaking out when I was 29, about to turn 30, okay. just a month before. And it was interesting. I was in New York. I was, it was late at night and I was waiting for the subway and a girl sat down beside me. She's like, oh, did I miss the train? And we somehow just started talking and she's like, I'm freaking out about turning 30. And I said, <laughs> me too. Oh my God. That's and so then funny. we were, she's like, oh, and somehow we got on the topic that we both had lived in Italy. And then we decided we were going to go traveling together. And oh we God. ended up traveling uh, years later to Peru together. Oh, my God. So it was just funny. And then we ended up having babies at the same time. Wow. But it was just a really weird moment because it was nice to, like, freak out about turning 30 with her. Right. Because <laughs> I was a total stranger in the New York subway. Yeah. And I we ended that. up, like, changing, exchanging <laughs> phone numbers and becoming really oh good friends. Oh, God. I love that. But that, uh, you are going to freak out as you're about to turn 30. And the reason mm -hmm. I was freaking out is because when you're young, you're, you can get away with things. You mm. can just say, oh, I'm just like 19 or right. oh, I'm only 22. Right. Like it's, it's okay. I can, mm -hmm. you're just having fun and you're selfish. Mm -hmm. But once you enter your thirties, you start, you gain a lot more confidence. Mm -hmm. I feel like I was always confident even in my twenties, but yeah. you get even more confident. You don't care what people think. The average 20 year old really cares what other people think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you have a bit more money, yeah. but in my case, I ended up having less money and it's in debt so that was the downside but of course you just have to make sacrifices yeah. uh, but the 30s you're healthy you're actually at your best like you can learn anything mm -hmm. there's a lot of things you can still learn to do yeah um and you're young you look beautiful it's just really the time of your life right. and a lot of people think you're old mm, right. or like they think they'll be old in their 30s but you if you're know. young like at you, heart yourself when you think about people in their 30s you think oh my god that's so old yeah and yeah. it's not really until you reach 40 that you start seeing like the signs of aging so you still you still don't have to worry about losing your youth in mm -hmm. your 30s mm -hmm. so i'd say i'd recommend to people to embrace it to realize that it just gets better and better yeah. sure. it's also your mindset if you're confident it's if your outlook on life is positive mm -hmm. then your experience is mm -hmm. so much better oh, thank you thank you thank you so for much. being here thank we you really so much it. for having me yeah of course thanks for listening everyone